Welcome to episode 18 of Design Much, how to better design for accessibility with Carlos Filoteo. So Carlos, how can accessibility or, or the and the lack of it actually affect an application, digital products? Whew. That's already a big question um, <laughs> because there's um, quite a lot to consider when accessibility isn't like built in. You're actually losing one a lot of customer functionality, right? You can't assume that uh, everybody has the same abilities as you do, so you're losing out on at least some of the market, right? As well as, uh, especially especially for de the designers and, and UX professionals, you spend so much time designing the UX and without building accessibility in mind, you're now, uh, again, cutting off a bunch of people who don't necessarily use the same uh, technology as you do. Mm -hmm. So um, it... it I think it has a, a greater implication than than we can really know, uh, because um, there's a lot of people who that need accessibility baked in, and if if it's not there, it's really really hard to use the application. So you lo you're um, losing a lot of functionality. You're losing a lot of customer trust, um, as well as there's also like the business case. Where now, if you if you build an accessibility into your web app, you're you're actually opening the door for more business. More people can use your application. Um, more people can uh, are happy with it. They'll keep using it. Uh, and then, lastly, I think there's also kind of on the flip side, by not building in accessibility, you're um, also bringing in a lot of risk. Um, for example, a lot of ADA type lawsuits. Um, because your web app is not accessible to certain people, you could then end up having to pay a lot more in legal fees and mm. um, kind of retroactively having to, to fix that rather than building in from the building accessibility in from the beginning. Yeah, so it sounds like for sure if you don't have that accessibility, you're not um, open to having a lot more potential users that can use your app. You're mm -hmm. closing it off to those types of people. Um, and also, you can be up to some some pretty bad legal issues in the future, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, I like what you said too, because I was we just I was just reading this article over the weekend on uh, UXDesign.cc about accessibility, and one of the one of the high like one of the highlighted quotes in here was uh, choosing to only make your product usable for one customer segment is not and not usable by another is discrimination. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's what we need to look at it more is like it's not it's not necessarily like make it make it universal like I don't know I just like how you kind of brought it up like you're you're not it's not universal for everyone that can use your application and in fact like you can open yourself up for like a discrimination a discrimination lawsuit yeah in yeah the future. and actually uh in preparation for this, I found a link uh, that says ADA website accessibility lawsuits are on the rise. So, like, um, maybe this isn't something that everybody faces, but any SaaS company has to do at least 
some work to to mm-hmm. make these accessible so that um, not and it kind of sounds bad to say as a like a legal defense because it's not really for that it's to actually provide use usefulness for people with disabilities um, as well as uh, another thing that I've kind of given a lot of thought of is we're all at risk kind of to become disabled um, we don't all have the same abilities and uh, we can be temporarily disabled. We can be uh, become disabled in the future. So it's, it's not something that we should think of like afterwards, once it actually affects us, once we actually have firsthand knowledge, it's something we should try and gain empathy, um, gain empathy for those users who maybe can't use a mouse or, or have to use an alternative input device to, to navigate the web. Um, we all, have loved what we gain from the internet, you know, all those products and services that we can get. And by not building that into our web apps, we're now saying, Hey, I don't care if you use this or not. Um, and that's, I don't think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I like that. Not a lot. cool, bro. Yeah. Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what sort of steps can like a developer or a designer take to start to gain that empathy? Yeah. So for both groups i think and this really extends to anybody who's who works in tech i think product and uh support could also gain some empathy um but first i think is like actually get first first-hand experience with the tools that disabled people have to use to navigate the web so assistive technologies like um screen readers which are voiceover on mac nvda on windows or jaws on windows um, both of those are products that people use in order to, to be able to read their their applications without, um, especially if they, they can't visually uh, see what's on the screen. Um, but once you like begin using it, you realize how hard it is um, to, not, to not be able to use a mouse or see the content that you're trying to, to read. Um, yeah, super hard. Yeah, and then uh, there's another... Uh, Chrome extension that I think is is really good. It's called Funkify, um, and if you add that to your Chrome, you actually um, can toggle different uh, disability simulators, so you can get um, a feel for like what other people have to deal with. Um, so they have uh, simulators for stuff like color blindness. Um, they also have simulators, a, a simulator for dyslexia as well as. A wide variety, really, of, mm-hmm. of disabilities. Um, can't re- list them off. Um, yeah, I think trying trying to put yourself in their shoes would be absolutely the first step for gaining empathy for accessibility, um, because you don't you really don't realize how hard it is until you're doing it yourself. I like that a lot. What you said, like you have to start, you know, gaining the empathy by actually experiencing what it's like mm-hmm. and having to go through that and see like how hard it is to actually complete a very simple task on a digital product, right? Yeah. Um, so let's say like I actually go in and I start, you know, playing with that and I'm starting to gain some empathy. So how do I actually implement that into a company? Like, does it require in your opinion or your experience a cultural shift to where everybody has to think about it? Um, like, how do you get that buy-in from design all the way to development? I can't say that I'm fully uh, aware of how you would implemented into culture but it definitely has to be a skill that 
um, your organization pushes for as well. So in terms of training and um, research kind of thing, as well as um, a skill that you not necessarily have to hire for, but make sure that your your devs and your designers kind of think about that in their process. It's not a bolted on solution. You can't just uh, build it one way and then go back and rebuild it. Um, or, uh, you'd, it'd be better to have that experience um, thought of from the ground up. So not necessarily a culture shift, but definitely a, a skill that you need to hire for um, as well as uh, foster within your organization. And I had a question too, like as a designer and you're a developer, um, as a designer, like we find ourselves facing like interaction challenges when considering accessibility. Mm -hmm. So we like have to figure out, okay, I can't, I can't do this because this doesn't really work. Um, I can't do like, for example, drag and drop isn't a very accessible sort of interaction. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and there's so many things addition from, in addition that we have to think about as we're designing. Um, so as developers, like is coding for accessibility as well? Is it difficult for you? Is it um, something that you also run into challenges just like we do in design? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is because there isn't one good place for learning these kinds of things, uh, like what exactly you need to add. There are some really good resources, of course, but almost always it's thought of as like, okay, now I have this component done, how do I make it accessible? Instead of from the ground up saying, okay, I have this design now, you know, if I can't use a keyboard or if I can't use a mouse, how can I make this work with a keyboard? Mm -hmm. um, so for, for devs, it's, I think, just as hard and, and it's hard in a different way because it's now getting into the implementation details. I think it's still a skill that, that you definitely need to foster um, and kind of as well foster but not in isolation so you have to work really well with like a ux um, or, or designer to to kind of think through the use case and then offer kind of solutions as well uh, technologically like how will this work once i code it up mm -hmm. um, and that might help kind of that back and forth between ux and, and devs um, to build a better user experience definitely i like that a lot and that and it brings up like um, a lot of points that I run into as well as working with development on accessibility features where mm -hmm. you do have to go back and forth because I could say like, I don't know how to do this. What technically can we do? What's mm -hmm. possible? Instead of me just making something up at a yeah. thin air, like what, what is out there in terms of resources that we can actually build mm -hmm. and make this like, for example, drag and drop accessible. Um, so um, I like that a lot, being able to work together to figure out the solution behind this yeah because it requires both sides mm -hmm. from what it sounds like it does uh it has to be kind of a back and forth it has to be because uh, as devs you know we i i know i don't feel as comfortable saying hey i'm going to make this ui decision that may affect the ux really yeah. <laughs> really in a positive or negative way so um having that collaboration is better definitely i like that a lot I like the approach to being, like you said, being proactive from the beginning of a project. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, we always just build something and then go, oh, we got to make it accessible. And then you have to, like, retrofit it somehow. It seems a lot harder to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's even harder because oftentimes you don't even know what you don't know, right, in mm -hmm. terms of accessibility. Uh, so once you become familiar with, like, the tools as well as the, the possible problems that disabled users face, you can then just having that experience from the get-go, you now are like, okay, well, 
maybe this design would work for a keyboard user and then this design would then also work for a mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. so what has been your experience with learning accessibility and trying to implement it into your outcomes? Like how, how have you gone from zero knowledge to actually knowing about some items of accessibility? Yeah, so first thing I have noted uh, that I did is I looked up good and bad examples of UX on the web. So, and there's probably more bad examples than there are good examples, but searching for those kinds of examples gives you a good idea of like, oh, this is, you know, this is how it should work. And as well as you're now piggybacking off of other people's experience, uh, you could, you could end up really getting a lot just from, Hey, you know, somebody wrote this short article on buttons, right? And so now you realize from there on out, all of your buttons are going to behave a certain way. Um, and you should push for that certain way so that, you can gain that value right away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's almost always incremental too. It's no, nobody's ever so good at accessibility that that's all they do. Um, it's it's uh, a skill, like I said. Um, so um, starting off small is probably best, right? Find mm-hmm. good examples, find good resources, build from there, and uh, look for the next thing that you can fix. Okay, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, so st- starting really small, like you read an article about a button, yeah. that's fixed buttons from now on. I like that example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might make things a lot easier um, as opposed to, and I was going to ask this as well, like like this is overwhelming, like accessibility, mm-hmm. designing or coding for accessibility can seem very overwhelming. Like where do I start? Do we go from zero to having an entirely accessible app <laughs> or do yeah. we start in pieces? And it sounds like it's probably better to start in pieces, learning small things at a time and implementing those into design and then into, you know, into, into development. For sure. Uh, There's actually quite a bit of low hanging fruit, so to speak, in, uh, to build it into, to build accessibility into your web app. Really. Mm-hmm. So there's, it does seem like a huge chunk that you have to bite off, but really, uh, if you start off small, these changes can happen kind of over time maybe more or less naturally as you begin introducing that kind of uh, that priority to accessibility into your organization. Yeah. Um, And could you talk a little bit more about the, those items that are like the low hanging fruit items, like where you can really start? Yeah. So um, one thing there's the number one, most common accessibility issue is color contrast. Um, And that's just, you know, gray text on a white background doesn't stand out. And if you have, any sort of vision problems, um, you can easily miss this content. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's color, color contrast and those kinds of things are, are just one facet to it, really. There's quite a bit that you can do with like fonts, font sizes, font weights that would also really help. And that's where, um, as a designer, uh, you have to kind of tap into that typography skill too to, to really get. Um, a good balance of like brand and design as well as accessibility. Um, but uh, some other low hanging fruit are focusability, you know, making sure you can actually tab through your content. If you have a form, you know, make sure just go through it with a keyboard, see if it actually takes you to where you would expect. If not, that's usually a matter of rearranging um, some content or uh, adding little things here and there. Another I think low-hanging fruit is to 
kind of going back to what I'd mentioned before is going and either using a component that has already been kind of built out and like tried and true so that you can already get that right away. Uh, a lot of frameworks like Bootstrap and Foundation kind of do that already. Okay. If not, if you can't like use their widget or whatever, you can at least see how they do it and then mimic that as well. Awesome. Yeah. So you can really bring that about by adding those like simple features. Yeah. And I like that last one as well. You can see like how other basic like mm -hmm. reusable components are doing it and you can use those same, same principles right there. Yeah. So I like that a lot. basics and we kind of like start implementing those in our designs like there's still an entire world out there <laughs> so how do we continue on yeah so um i'll start off with saying that you need to seek it out so always look for more and and that's kind of a again a skill thing um so what i've done is i'm subscribed to a lot of accessibility newsletters um, Twitter feeds, a lot of those accessibility advocates on Twitter as well. Um, there's companies that, there, there are a few companies that do publish content that help with these kind of uh, problems that we're trying to solve. Some of them are kind of repetitive because they're, they're basic, the basics, but um, there's a company like DQ Systems as well as the bigger companies like Google. They publish content to help you while using their tools um, create an accessible UI. Okay. Um, and then the other thing that I kind of debated whether give, whether I should r recommend this or not, but um, I think everybody, both uh, designers and developers, need to read the specifications for these systems, specifically um, W. AI ARIA stands for Web, um, sorry, Accessible Rich Internet Applications, the ARIA part. Okay. Um, but reading the specification that they've designed for accessible internet apps would be super helpful. And they even include quite a few guides on um, some of these patterns that are really common mm -hmm. but aren't always accessible and so if you read the specification you can actually get a good idea of oh this is this is how it should work and when you build it the way they said then the assistive tech that uh, some disabled users would have to use can pick up on those same um, like flags or or states so um, as a designer and a developer, if you know that spec, you can kind of begin building around that as well. Okay. Now, um, to your knowledge, is there a lot of assistive, assistive tech that is different, that have like different abilities to pick up on different things? Like Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, assistive tech is a lot like browsers and how you know 
some browsers just don't expose quite enough. Okay. Um, or the assistive tech itself is kind of evolving, as well as the this WAI ARIA spec is newish. It's not not that new, but I don't think that all of the assistive tech works correctly. Okay. Uh, as well as, but but I think with that spec, it's improved a lot in the last few years. But it, it's a it's really a collaboration of both your web app and the assistive tech that exposes that to the user. So unfortunately, uh, if one or the other doesn't work well. It's not that great, and mm -hmm. I think sometimes the the assistive tech people use isn't that great. But that doesn't mean that uh, designers and devs can't do their part. Yeah, right? <laughs> so. definitely. Awesome. So we talked about this a little bit, but like as as a designer, like from your perspective, uh, from a developer's perspective, how can we learn more about the technical aspects of accessibility? Like how can we actually understand that technology behind all of that stuff better? You have to learn how the web works. And that, that requires kind of learning some of um, some basics. And part of it is um, this ARIA spec, I think, because the terminology used in the spec, you kind of have to know what that means, right? So okay. when they're talking about a button, it's not just any button. It's actually the HTML button, not an anchor, which is uh, sometimes styled like a button on certain pages, um, as well as what a div and a span are um, and it's, it's, yeah, not, not telling a designer that they need to learn how to code. Mm -hmm. It's just knowing what that means in the, the browser platform. Okay. And then from there, it's really, um, a matter of just building off of that too. Um, so that when your dev says, well, we can't do this because this div has, um, this focus, well, that means something now to the designer, and, mm -hmm. and they can realize, uh, oh, okay. Um, and then the second part is to uh, kind of work with a developer who wants to learn the accessibility on their end, or that already knows it, so that, um, because experience has really been the most valuable part in, in learning how to implement accessibility, at least for me. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's all I have. Do you have anything else, Patrick? No, not really. All right. Other than other than I really liked like uh, we brought up like putting it into the company culture, and I think just having it be proactive or even like required mm -hmm. is something that because we hire we hire like you brought up earlier like we hire uh, hiring for that is probably something we've never done right mm -hmm. like yeah. hire people to understand it or even like even know what it is yeah or care yeah or care about it and and having that as part of your hiring process i mean that's that's definitely hiring is probably the easiest way to build a culture mm -hmm. right to have that standard in your culture so yeah hiring yeah, I find that really interesting and then training um one thing that i think i haven't seen a lot of at least at, at various companies is uh, a lot of people use a style guide but or, or like a shared component library, but if you can fix it there and everybody is using that shared component, then you just added accessibility f across your entire app for that one component. Yeah. yeah. So if you can start from there too, kind of going back to your question of um, 
where to even start a style guide and building accessibility into like your core style guide would be uh, a really good place to start. Yeah. I like that. Cause you're making the decision for anybody who's going to use that component in the yeah. future. You're just like, here you go. <laughs> it's already accessible. Yeah. Now you just have to make them use the components. Right. <laughs> but you have that problem anyway. So that's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> awesome. Well, that was great. Well, thanks for coming on. This has been, this has been very educational and um, it's been awesome to hear about how we can get better at accessibility. So I really like that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah cool. is, there, is there anything else you want to add? I forgot to ask that question. Yeah. What I'd like to add is just that accessibility, while it seems like this unknown and it's daunting, I think that anybody who can just give it five minutes will see that it's not too much. Um, just to use the right things, learn about it, give yourself an hour a week to learn. Um, and you can, you're doing a lot for people who can't uh, interact with things the typical way mm-hmm. uh, or rather the most common way. Learn it and then keep learning it, I think. Uh, because accessibility is, I think I've noticed a pattern of, hey, we made this one thing accessible. Let's put our, pat ourselves on the back and say we're done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in reality, there's there's a whole lot more that you can do. And it's it's something you need to constantly keep thinking about and maybe even rethinking. Um, I listened to a podcast recently by 99% Invisible, so, um, and it's called Curb Cuts. And it, it talks about how curb cuts were done um, in the U.S. as something that kind of somewhat helped, maybe. But then a lot of accessibility advocate groups really took a hold of that and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And actually, that's... their. Uh, that was the basis for the American Disability Act. Um, but even then, we're not done yet, mm-hmm. right? That's it's. It was one way of helping disabled people. And it, in turn, helped a lot of people, you know, bicyclists and, and skateboarders. You know, they now have this nice little slope off of the sidewalk. But um, they we're nowhere near done in terms of accessibility, especially with curb cuts, because that now uh, they're... Now another set of issues on top of that. Um, and I think that would be the case with web apps as well. Um, so don't pat yourself on the back. Don't think it's done. <laughs> it is, there's probably yet another thing that you can do to, to open up your web app to um, disabled persons. But you know, keep trying. Keep learning. Um, that's the only way to improve in that area. Yeah. Sweet. Hey Andy, that was a great conversation with Carlos. That was a good conversation. That was good. Yeah. If you guys want to continue the conversation, go over to designmuch.org and leave us a comment. Got a few comments on there, right, Andy? A couple people. There's commenting. a couple. Yeah. Uh, but that's how things start. Small. Yeah. Small. They grow from there. Uh, if you think we're planting seeds, like pumpkin seeds, plant the pumpkin seed in the fall. We'll have a giant pumpkin. That's all we're that's all we're asking for. Just every one every once in a while, just plant a seed. I think it's more of a tree. I don't know why you're thinking pumpkin seeds, man. 
trees. I don't know, because I planted pumpkin seeds. You did? Yeah. Okay. That's why. I guess that works. That's you have more direct experience. I haven't really planted a tree before. Have you have you planted seeds before? Uh probably. I don't really remember. <laughs> like like vegetable seeds, you know? Yeah. Have you planted a squash or anything like that? I don't know, man. Oh, that's how everything grows though. Small seed. Small seed. Big thing. Yeah. With time <laughs> and care. Um, but yeah, if you think the topic that we talked about uh, is important, which it probably should be to all of you or beneficial to all of you, uh, let another designer know or like let your design team know. Listen to it. Maybe we should encourage people to listen to it as a design team. Yeah, you guys can all get together yeah. and get some popcorn. Listen to the podcast. Like turn on the fire in the fireplace. Yeah, that'd be great for you guys on, on your slippers. design team. Yeah. yeah. Instead of having a critique, you could listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so did uh, share it, you know, join the conversation, whatever. Uh, also, um, Lunch UX. So if you haven't been to one, there's only been one so far. Uh, but uh, we're having another one July 27th, and the mighty Tim Hansen will be teaching us about uh, better writing and copy, how it makes you a better designer, and will make better designs. Um, it'll be, that's this Friday here at Canopy at 11.30 a.m., uh, more details, go to meetup.com slash lunchUX for more details in RSVP. So, um, yeah, what did you learn from Carlos? Man, I learned a lot. There's a lot of great little nuggets in that conversation. Um, but some of the things I took away for sure are he kept mentioning like accessibility is actually a skill. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about this before. It's, it's something that you... It's not, it's not a requirement. Yeah. <laughs> but it's something you have to like, you have to learn and you actually have to practice using this skill. Yeah. Um, so I never thought about it in that way. So you should, you know, you, if you're not doing accessibility as a designer, you're not like skilled in that, that well, in that, mm-hmm. that area. So you should um, start practicing, start using it in your designs. Um, and he also mentioned like it's important to work with devs early. Um, so when you're actually designing things, you can understand the technical limitations or like the, the abilities to make more ac- accessible, friendly designs. Um, and so that, that's, that's really important. And I've, I've seen that example as well. Like there's a lot of things I just don't know what is possible. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things that have been pre-built that we could just, you know, use and tap into. So it's good to, to work with devs cause they can help you learn more about mm-hmm. that. So it's awesome. Um, and starting accessibility. So this is like the big, the hard thing to do. Like, how do you get started in it? And it's not like a huge culture shift. It's not like pressing a big red button and okay, <laughs> we are going to be accessible now and everything changes, right? It's more um, better implemented through like small changes, you know, small things. Just if you've, as he said, like he found an article about how to make buttons more accessible. So then from now on, just design your buttons more accessible. Yeah. Um, so as you do small things, you, you make the entire, you know, digital product better. So it's not something you can just like flip a switch, push the big red button. You're kind of doing it in small pieces. Um, and then also comes, and we didn't talk about this too much, but it comes as well with, with buy-in. You can take the time to ask permission to be accessible, you know, or you could just start designing, you just do it, <laughs> designing accessible designs. Um, and yeah, just, nobody's really holding you back, right? Like, yeah. I mean, if you just want to design higher higher contrast designs and design higher contrast designs. <laughs> exactly. I mean, um, there's one, of course, um, possible thing if you want to take a lot of time to make things very accessible and it's going to like, you know, 
take a lot of time to build it, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not building, you know, value and features that you can, you know, um, charge your customers for. Yeah. Um, but if you're just, you know, doing those small things here and there, then it's a different story. So that's, I really like what he said there. Just bring it in small pieces at a time. Um, and <laughs> I also liked what he said at the end there. Um, once you've implemented something, <laughs> once you <laughs> learn something, don't just be like, okay, I did it. I'm accessible. I did. Yeah. I did one little accessible thing. I'm pat myself on the back. <laughs> we met. We met double A standards. Woohoo! Yay! Yeah, let's all go home. Good job. <laughs> but no, like, um, there's like so much. There's a huge world of accessibility to learn about, and there's so many things mm-hmm. you need to learn. So just keep going. Like, don't stop there. You always just have to move on to the next thing that you can learn. Yeah. So, um, lots of great stuff there. Yeah, to add to to add to yours, I think uh, one thing I kind of picked up or didn't, I guess I didn't realize because every place I've worked for, we haven't been accessible and then we're like trying to be accessible. So there's a lot of like retroactive activity going on, like how to retrofit our entire application uh, to be accessible, right? Uh, he kind of brought up uh, something I never thought about was like just be proactive from like now, like just start now and on your projects, just like implement accessibility stuff into your new projects that you're working on yeah and then it's a lot easier than going back right yeah to do it um i thought that was interesting he brought that up from a development process too which is the same thing right it's easier to write code the one time and not come back on it later and not have to redo <laughs> it um so yeah I thought, I thought that was an interesting thing especially like when you get in trouble in the future <laughs> when yeah you, you get a lawsuit oh now i gotta go back and oh, fix everything now and spend gotta do it in three months this uh, time. yeah so just, yeah. yeah start now no, I think that, and uh, just to just to accompany all your stuff, like I agree, like uh, learn stuff in small bites, uh, do it in small bites. I mean, we're all if you're at any SaaS company, probably anywhere in the world, you're using some sort of agile process, and you're doing things small anyway. So, um, or you're trying to do things in smaller pieces anyway. So, just make accessibility a priority in that way. You know, he talked about his list of um, his list of things like that, like the low hanging fruit, right? Um, and I think, I think, uh, to his point, uh, high contrast, depending on what you're doing is pretty easy. Like that's, that's not a real super hard thing to do. And you don't really need like those like, <clears throat> tools to show you what's more high contrast. Like you can no. like, see with your eyes, like I can read this really <laughs> clearly versus, you know, it's a really, you know, light gray text, you know, yeah. it's hard to read. And those things are, I mean, from a design perspective, that's fairly easy dep- yeah. depending on what it is. Um, you know, like just increasing, like, you know, here, just increasing our contrast on because we use gray on white a lot. So, uh, for text, so just increasing that just adds a ton of value already. And that's mm-hmm. pretty easy. Um, allowing people to see it better just in general, you know, is pretty easy. Uh, those things aren't too difficult, you know, and then adding the focus states, I think that's a little bit more that, that adds a lot more, uh, tech stuff, right? Like a lot more development into it, but, um, yeah, adding that focus state's generally not that hard either, depending on what you're doing. So no. there's some small things you can just kind of start with. I would even say if you're in a large app, like Canopy's a pretty large app, I would even say in a large app like that, uh, start with certain areas. Just start with certain portions of it and say, yeah. like, let's let's make this piece high contrast or let's make that piece high contrast. Yeah. And then just go from there, you know. So you break down even smaller than that. Um, and even- then... Sorry, it's even like what he said. Like you, you have all these components that are that are reusable that development mm-hmm. reuses. So we could just fix those, and across the app, we all of a sudden have accessible, yeah. friendly design. That's that's the one thing that I thought was kind of cool is he brought up like, oh, if you have a style guide, start with your style guide. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, yeah, duh, because then it filters down, right? Yep. 
it trickles down. Or if you're building a style guide, build it, build it with accessibility in mind so that when you're implementing it, it's already there. It's already in place. Be yeah. proactive about it. Um, I think I'm going to take up this challenge too of, of reading the uh, ARIA spec. <laughs> yeah. I know I I've, I know I've read bits and pieces of it, but like I haven't really read it, right? Yeah, like I don't either. really know too much is in there. I know pieces of it. Um, it's it's heavy reading. I noticed earlier, like I was looking at it earlier. I really? was like, "Ooh, this is this is tough. This isn't light reading. This isn't like uh, you know, like reading my favorite book, A Clockwork Orange. It's not like reading that, but it's uh, but it, you know, it looks pretty good. Yeah, looks pretty good. Well, it's good. It's you can take some yeah. small things. I guess read it in chunks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learn something yeah, small yeah. from there. It's not like reading the the Walking Dead comic book or anything like that, right, Andy? <laughs> Um, I wouldn't know. I cannot say. Have you not I read the Walking so. Dead comic series? Sorry. I really haven't. Okay. Uh, you'd be expecting those on your desk anytime <laughs> <Okay>. soon. <laughs> so now be- I way that. better than the TV show, by the way. Really? Yes. Okay. Phenomenally better. Now, than has, it, has it gone in the same direction as the TV show? Uh, kind of. The TV show just sucks more. <laughs> the TV show started out really good because the TV show mimicked the... Uh, the comic, comic book, okay. but then after after season two or three, it kind of took it, kind of went it, kind of went astray. Mm. Yeah, same same overall kind of progression. Yeah, but not nearly as good. All right, all right. So read the Arya spec and yeah. then read read this comic <laughs> and then right? read The Walking Dead. Uh, speaking of The Walking Dead, we had this conversation earlier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> about about. Uh, what you would do in a zombie apocalypse? I told you I would. I carry this pillow with me everywhere I go. Right on my neck, you see mm-hmm. it right here. I see it, and uh, it kills me instantly. It's just poison. And then I, and then when the zombies, when I hear the zombie apocalypse coming, I'm taking that thing out. I'm out. <laughs> but then you brought up the point that then I would become a zombie and make it harder for everybody else who wants to survive. I don't know why you would want to survive a zombie apocalypse in the first place. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna take everyone out. Just, just let it happen. No, there's there's some good reasons yeah. to survive a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. But I really like the direction we had, which <laughs> is the next project after this after the whole this whole design much thing wraps up. We're gonna write a television show <laughs> from a zombie's perspective. Two buddy zombies from their perspective. Like how did they how did they operate in a zombie apocalypse? Yeah. <laughs> Forget about the people. Like all, they're always about the people trying to survive. We're talking about no two zombie guys die. They both have what did you what did you say? We, we have friendship bracelets. Friendship bracelets. They wear friendship bracelets before, and then after they transition to the zombies, then they know who their buddies were. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they can be buddies, and they got to figure out this brave new world as being zombies. And it's rough fighting being, against humans. It's rough being a zombie because you have yeah. to find food. Every other zombie wants to find food, mm-hmm. and like the whole world is like. Everyone turns into zombies after they're eaten, so there's yeah. not that much food left. Because <laughs> you're going to eventually run out of food, right? Yeah. Secondly, too, like humans, we deal with decay. When mm-hmm. we're born, we grow, and then we deal with entropy the entire lives, yeah. but not not to the rapid extent of a zombie. Like, that's oh, another problem. You got to, like, you probably got about a year. Like, if, if nobody bit you or you didn't, like, the way you died was just you just died, right? Like, yeah. of a heart attack or something, your body was intact. You've got like maybe a year, a year and a half. Maybe I don't, know. I don't know how it works. Maybe they maybe they decay at a slower rate because they are undead. I have no yeah. idea. And but maybe, the rate of decay is not the same rate of decay as humans, though, because there's no living, breathing organism anymore, really. Yeah. 
So it's going to be whatever it is is going to be fast. It might be six months, might be a year. Plus, you're just wandering around bumping into things. What if, what if uh, some other zombie mistakes you as a human for a second rips part of your your you know just like rips a bicep off and then keeps walking yeah. like like bro, I was trying to hold on to that bicep as long as I could. <laughs> I know I needed that. Yeah, for eating people. I know, and I'm thinking about incorporating this into our, our script, you know, like maybe season two, like I lose my arm, which has the friendship bracelet yeah. on it. And so we get to test true friendship at that time. There's, there's an emotional component to that, <laughs> as well as the physical component to that. Like, yeah. two bad things. You lost your arm. You're like, oh, dang it, I'm losing. I'm falling apart. I'm literally falling apart. Yeah. And your heart is torn because now you don't know if you really belong to this other person or not. Like, you're not buddies with this other person. I like it. <laughs> I like where this is going. It's gonna be it's gonna be heart wrenching. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be epic. It's gonna be awesome. So are we quitting design much to do that right no, now? We're then? not quitting oh, design not? much. Okay. I think it's more of a side thing. We'll this out. is a side thing to the side thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a it's like a subtask. It's a subtask. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a yeah. It's like a side hustle to the side hustle. We'll have some like branding design much t shirts thrown in. You know. Yeah. It'd be cool. <laughs> All the zombies are wearing design much t shirts. <laughs> all right well that was fun i guess was that a good one that was a good episode i think so anytime you talk about accessibility i think it's a good episode yeah i think so too. so from here on out all of our episodes are going to be about accessibility <laughs> <laughs> all right bye andy see you later <laughs>